Good morning, everyone. Today, we are hosting another Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and we give a voice to those women whose story is meaningful, moving, and compelling. We share their story with the world so that in their shining, they give permission to others to shine as well. Tune in to Freeman Means Business on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Radio Public for other great episodes starring people who move the needle. Today, we welcome Andrea Amaraji. Andrea, thanks for being here with us today. Before we begin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Good morning, Susan, and thank you for inviting me onto your podcast. A little bit about myself. I have a bachelor's degree in accounting. I spent the first two years of my career as an auditor for the then Coopers and Librand accounting firm based out of Washington, D.C., and I accepted that I was a pretty lousy auditor, and after two years, quit and launched my career waiting tables. It's very prestigious. And I joined the I Wasted My Parents' Money on College Club, much <laughs> to their dismay. <laughs> Thankfully, I, uh, I left that club after I discovered that I wasn't very good at taking orders in restaurants either. And I relaunched my career as an IT systems and software trainer, which I happily performed for five years. Then I turned to technical consulting, then business consulting, then project and program management, and then to my own consulting practice. And voila, here I am on your podcast. Well, Community tell involvement. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Susan. No, tell me a little bit about what you do when you're not working. First of all, before we go there, I want to say this sounds like a really fun path to where you are today. That cracks me up. So the club that you said you belong to is quite large. I know a number of members in the Waste Your Parents' Money in College Club. <laughs> That's pretty awesome that you've turned it around and now you've made um, your own business a successful one. You're in your, you know, chasing your career and your passion all at once. So um, tell me a little bit about your community involvement. Well, community involvement is, is certainly something that's very important, particularly after you have children, because raising kids is really about the community. I have been a volunteer for mother's clubs in the neighborhoods that I've lived in up until my daughter started elementary school. And now that she's in school, I perform regular volunteer activities at my daughter's school. In fact, last Friday, I just read in my daughter's classroom as part of the Project Cornerstone through the YMCA, reading a book called Simon's Hook that teaches kids how to respond to teases, which is a message I think adults need to be reminded of too. Absolutely. Which is never, never allow yourself to get bit by a tease. Absolutely. Wow. So that's super powerful, especially in today's political climate. Um, I love that you're very involved in your daughter's life. Tell me how old is she? What does she like to do? Um, you know, what are her passions? She is going to be eight in a couple of weeks and we're having a, her first slumber party for her birthday. She is, uh, she's a, she is just a ball of energy, very spirited, very strong willed. I, I admire her, in fact, because uh, I, I never want to take away that will of hers. Because when she's right, she thinks she's right about something. She she's she's very right about it, and I love that aspect of of her. But she is a uh, she's a very bright girl, and she loves to draw. She's a prolific artist and a very very good artist. She's a great storyteller. Something that she's exploring right now is video, and she learned how to use iMovie, which is something that comes installed on a Mac and an i iPad. She learned this over the summer, so she's really great at making movies, and she did this with her friend yesterday, 
And I think it's wonderful because storytelling is this great, this, uh, this, this great quality that people need to have in order to succeed in business. And she's a natural storyteller. She tells stories through her artwork and her little books that she makes, her comic books. And she also tells stories through her stories through her videos and through her trailers. So that's really something that I'm trying to explore with her and take awesome. it to the next level. Well, she sounds phenomenal. It sounds like um, we call those leadership skills. <laughs> it sounds <Yes>. like <laughs> awesome. Well, great leading by example, mom. Um, so, and giving her the opportunity to shine at such a young age. I think when we're young, all those things that make us question authority and all those things that we think are, you know, let's, let's ask this. And, and, and then we're all too often told, hush, don't say that, or, or no, you can't do that. Or I think that needs to change and we need to allow kids to question authority and, and ask mm -hmm. more questions and be curious and, um, you know, then not just say no, because I said so, so. That's awesome. Well, what is your proudest professional moment? Um, your accomplishments are many, so tell me what you're most proud of. Well, I would say that launching my own consulting practice is my proudest professional moment. It feels very right right now. It took me a long time to get here. I tend to live in the present. The past isn't something that I let hold me back. It's something that, that I learned from. So my work philosophy is if I'm not doing the best work of my life right now, something needs to change. And my consulting practice gives me the opportunity to do the best work of my life right now. Being an entrepreneur has all, um, it's always been the right fit for me to be an entrepreneur. I've tried, I tried twice before to launch a business. Both attempts failed, but I didn't let that hold me back. They weren't bad ideas, but the timing simply wasn't right in my life professionally and personally, and I couldn't make those work. So now all the stars are aligned and I feel like I'm in a great position with my new practice. So listeners, I know Andrea personally, and not only are all the stars aligned, she herself is quite a shining star. She's a great present, presenter, presenter in person. I've seen her present. Her content is fabulous. She's spot on with accuracy, but her style of delivery is just engaging, and she's funny, and she's interactive. Uh, you can't gather all of that from a podcast with audio only. You have to go see her present. She's really terrific. I think if I'm not incorrect here, she has a video on her website. Tell me a little bit about your recent presentation you uploaded. I last week did a presentation for the Women in Data meetup group in San Francisco, and I talked about why analytics programs fail and how yours can be a success. I am in the process of having that video edited, and it is going to be uploaded and available on my website, CoherentInsights.com, very soon, probably before the end of this week. Well, can't wait. So when that is available, I'm happy to insert that into the blog that will accompany um, this podcast. Once this is ready and out, I'm happy to also include your video. So that's terrific. Um, who has been your inspirational mentor, your best inspirational mentor? Well, at the moment, Susan, not to throw flowers at you, but you've been a great inspirational person for me. And I'm so excited that you joined the club because you've completely rewired my thinking about the way that women can genuinely support women in a very practical and tangible way. Sadly, I never really had a mentor in my professional career, and I think it's hurt me in life. I'm always happy to mentor anyone who needs it. I do have a few people that I admire, usually deep thinkers. So philosophers and writers or people who have had great vision in business and can build and execute on a, break, on a great product. So Jeff Bezos is something that I, is a person that I admire. 
Carlos Gosen, probably not known too much in the United States. He's a Frenchman, but he is an incredible talent. He was a great leader at a very young age. He co-led two car manufacturers that had worldwide products. Estee Lauder is another business person I admire. She started very young. She built an amazing cosmetics company that was unique at the time. Uh, also, Indra Nui of PepsiCo, she, I had mentioned her during that presentation last week, also a brilliant businesswoman, grew Pepsi revenue by 80% in her 12-year tenure, which for a woman in business, I think, is, is quite admirable because Pepsi is a pretty old company in kind of a market that's not really growing. Wow. She actually reinvented, I think, um, Pepsi. I'm a little familiar with her, but um, yeah, those are some fantastic examples. First of all, thank you for the shout out. Mine is to lift others and not self. So I appreciate that. That was very sweet. Um, but yeah, those are some great examples. I recall back in the day when I was much younger, I went to a small intimate conference where Jeff Bezos was the speaker. And it was really nice to hear his vision and Boy, he's come a long way, right? <laughs> yes. So um, I personally have that very strong feeling and, and belief, and I think I act on it, that we should all lift each other up. I think that uh, we do live in a man's world, and that's changing. How do you think we might best advise other women to support one another in business? I would say to hire women, look for opportunities to hire women join women targeted groups, promote the work of other women, find female mentors or sponsors or offer, offer to be one. I personally always look for the best in women, women, and I check my jealousy and my insecurities at the door. Let's face it, women can be jealous and insecure, and sometimes we let that get the better of us. I like to be my authentic, true self, and I hope that other women do too. And I'm trying to build relationships out of reciprocity, which is kind of like what you do, Susan. I think it's women's natural tendency to want to be liked, and so women tend to view women in business as more friends rather than business colleagues, where each one recognizes the other's value in the business world and forges a relationship based on reciprocity. I think this is something that we really need for girls to recognize pretty early, high school, college, and so they carry forward this thought process with them into the business world. I know when I was growing up, I didn't really see it that way. You know, granted, I didn't really know that much about business when I was younger, but if we see women this way as a business relationship where there is an expect expectation of reciprocity, it positions women to better support women versus just viewing them as friends that they can go to and talk to whenever they're having a bad day. You know, that's a beautiful um, way to put it. So I have like you, uh, been very competitive all my life. And I've been in industries that are not easy for women. I was in financial services before legal. And I will say that I found a lot of women became the men that they combated in order to get where they were. They actually turned into, adopted those one-up behaviors, um, became very competitive rather than collaborative, which women are by nature collaborative. The way we communicate is more about relationships and what do you think and how do you feel and tell me your opinions. Whereas men are more, um, here's what the decision is. Let's go make it happen. And they move on. Uh, so, so Deborah Tannen, my Shiro calls that report. Men will report and rapport. Women will build rapport. So report versus report. I have faced that too. I think that you mentioned the club of Silicon Valley, the women's club of Silicon Valley. Um, they have been very good for me. I find women like you who have learned 
your lessons through, you know, the good times and the bad, the hard lessons to learn and, and the easy ones to learn and have shared those with others. And so I like that about women's groups such as the club. Um, I believe that co-op, cooperation and collaboration are live and well in a successful uh, business and that competition within that business should, should die. I mean, like there's a healthy competition, but then there's an unhealthy competition. And you referenced that the way women treat one another. I, I think that our society um, has a nasty habit of trying to pit us against each other and we totally mm. fall for it. So every day mm -hmm. I try to make sure, am I taking the bait or is this my authentic self or what could I do to help someone else that, you know, needs my help. Um, what has been your biggest challenge or setback? And then how did you overcome that? I think my biggest challenge has been letting myself believe that I wasn't good enough or wasn't smart enough to be of value in the work world. I got over this by surrounding myself with people who believed in me and encouraged me whenever I needed encouragement. Their encouragement helped me forge ahead in times of self-doubt and uncertainty. It's, it's a shame, but I think it afflicts a lot, of, a lot of women. And I'm thankful that I have the people around me that I do because they help me every day. I was just going to say that, that that is the number one. So of all the women that I interview, um, it's not that we inherently, I think it's that imposter syndrome where we, we get to a point where we start to doubt ourselves. We have a lack of confidence. That's not real. I mean, we are really mm -hmm. good at what we do. Um, mm -hmm. But we're afraid to seem braggadocious or we're afraid to come across as pompous or self-promoting. Um, you know, I always tell James, I have a 17-year-old son. I, I tell him, be assertive, not aggressive. Be confident, not cocky. And listen with empathy and not judgment. But then I have mm -hmm. to remind myself, you know, those little doubts creep in, that little voice of, you know, can you do this? Um, you know, so when I, when I speak to my abilities and my leadership capabilities and uh, the things that are good about what I do. I, I also have to admit where I cannot do things, where my flaws, faults, and, and holes exist. But when I speak to those things that I am good at, it really breaks my heart when I see, you know, other women, you know, tear at that. Or even when I see they do that to themselves, I know something mm -hmm. about a woman where she might be terrific at something and then she self-deprecates in a negative way that's not funny, that's not opening uh, or welcoming or uh, like, so for example, I had one friend stand up before a rather large crowd and say, I'm a terrible public speaker, but, and then she continued to speak. So she set the tone for everyone in the room to already um, position her as a terrible public speaker. So how do you recover from that when really she was tr a terrific public speaker? She should never have, that's her own self-doubt coming out of her mouth to the audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we all suffer with that. You are not alone. And I think that's why mm -hmm. people like you and me lift each other up. Um, mm -hmm. Tell me something no one knows about you, like some surprising fact or something that no one knows that, you know, that maybe you'd be willing to share. Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing that I thought of is the uh, first thing I'm, I'm thinking of. Well, a uh, surprising fact, because I've been involved in technology and I do consulting, a previous business that I started is a complete deviation from, from that. The second business that I launched was a French kosher catering business. It's totally different from technology, completely different audience and product. I created the business from scratch myself. 
no pun intended. I did all the branding. I did all the marketing, the sales, the recipe development, the cooking. I even delivered the food. Wow. And it was a unique offering at the time because most prepared kosher food is pretty blah. Mm -hmm. But I love to cook and uh, the combination of flavors and the methodology about cooking is something that I've always been drawn to. Uh, several years ago, I converted to Judaism and my husband is a Frenchman. So he was my inspiration and chief tester of my recipes. And I've been to France several times and I've always appreciated the quality of the food. At the time, unfortunately, even though it was a great idea and had a great product, I had great feedback, I really couldn't see the business through because I had gotten pregnant with my daughter right after the launch. And after she was born, I struggled to get my physical mojo back. And catering is something that's very physical. So I abandoned the idea, but I do like to talk about it, and I still love to cook today. I don't do too much kosher cooking, but I do cook uh, all of the types of foods. I have to say that's a fascinating marriage of um, the, the French and the kosher because French food is yummy, yummy, tasty, tasty, you know, so and, and the kosher is so needed, you know, obviously. What a unique combo there. Um, I would love to someday meet your husband. You reference him often when we're together or when we're talking. So um, that he, he seems like a really positive influence in your life. And I think it's great that you mention him here on the podcast. Um, I also would like to someday meet this terrific little uh, future female leader of yours. Actually, she's probably a leader today. Um, I think that's terrific. I had no idea about that. I thought that you were, you know, in tech all your life. That's a that's a great great surprise. I'm gonna have to write a little more about that in the blog when we <laughs> when we share. So. Before we share your contact info, I want people to have a clear understanding of who you are today, your business that you're embarking on today, and what you do and how, and then we'll talk about how they can reach you. So tell me a little bit about you and, and Cohere Insights today. Cohere Insights is a consulting practice that provides advisory and strategic services, as well as technical implementation for data-driven and analytics programs. I've been in this space for about 20 years, not the break to kosher catering notwithstanding. So um, I've learned a lot about how companies can get more value out of their data. And so I work with clients to help them achieve, achieve that value. I work with companies across industries of all sizes, shapes and colors. And it's uh, something I, I really enjoy. I love working with clients and just helping them get more, get more value and helping them build and shape and implement and execute on their programs. So to help the audience better understand, what, what does your perfect client look like? I know you say you work with all sizes and so forth, but what would be a perfect client for you so that we can start to relate and, and maybe refer work to you or call you to work for us, you know, yourself, for us? Yes. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I, I would say probably anywhere from maybe 500 to maybe 2000 employees where they are really starting to harness the power of their data. And they have the leadership of the company has a mindset where it's better to do things right the first time instead of doing a lot of trying failure, uh, trial and error to get value from their data. So companies that want to examine customer purchases or uh, get more value from any of their ERP systems or do any kind of analytics. What I bring to the table is, is a programmatic approach, a turnkey solution that allows all the stakeholders to come together, identify a goals of the program, and then get aligned to those goals and then build the technical implementation program. So any company who's really kind of at the starting area of 
building out an analytics program, I would love to come on site, talk to them, advise them, help set up a program for them so that they are destined for success and not failure. That's awesome. So do you actually stay involved in the implementation phase or do you do just strategy or whatever the client needs? Whatever the client needs, I can do both. Sometimes clients do need to have outside consultants brought in for technical implementation. Oftentimes, because in order to do a technical implementation, you require staff augmentation, people mm -hmm. that you don't have on, on site. So I would stay involved. I prefer to stay involved in a program management level because I have so much experience and I, I guide the program to be successful. But sometimes clients have their own facilities and own individuals that they want to use that are in-house. And it's really, it's really their choice there. That's really awesome. So I see you filling a knowing doing gap, frankly. Um, folks, I like to think of Andrea as the human Venn diagram. <laughs> she's she's the, the glue that holds these two pieces together from start to successful finish. She's the in-between. Um, I want you to share with us your website address and then in the blog post, I will share all of your contact info. But what is your website address and your email address for the listeners? The website is cohereinsights.com, C-O-H-E-R-E-I-N-S-I-G-H-T-S.com. My email address is Andrea at cohereinsights.com. Can you spell Andrea for the audience just to be sure we have the correct address? Yes, A-N-D-R-E-A. -E All righty, well this was fun. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we say goodbye? I don't think so. I think this is, uh, I don't. I wish I had something witty to, to, to end with, but I don't. This has been a lot of fun. <laughs> you don't need to be witty. You've been witty throughout. I loved this <laughs> podcast. I loved Actually, so I didn't realize you're such a great storyteller. Um, I loved hearing about your daughter and I loved hearing the fun fact about your kosher cooking. So that was really terrific. And I can't wait to see you next time. And I will share this blog with the podcast embedded in it within 24 hours. So thanks folks for tuning in. And Andrea, thank you for being the guest today. Thank you so much for asking me. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.